Hello everyone, Joshua Gilliland here, and I am one half of the founding Legal Geeks. With me to discuss our 2015 year in review is Jessica Peterson. Jessica, how are you? I'm great, Josh. How are you? Fantastic. Are you ready for 2016? <laughs> I am. I think so. 2015 like flew by in the blink of an eye, so I'm still in a little bit of shock, but I think I'm ready for 2016. Well, let's talk about 2015, the year that was, the way that we were. <laughs> we need some John Williams background music here as we look off into the double sunset. But before we say goodbye to 2015, just uh, for our audience, let's, let's both go through our top five events or... okay things of 2015. And so what is your number five? Right, so number five is, I guess it's a thing, although it's not really a tangible thing, and it's not an event, but it is Twitter. I uh, became officially addicted to Twitter this year, uh, and one of the things that I love so much about Twitter is the connection to the broader geek community uh, and parts of the geek community that I really wasn't familiar with before. And so uh, it has expanded kind of my geek universe. I feel like it's helped me connect to other geeks. And it's also been great for, you know, kind of some online geek activism. I mean, this will come up a little bit later, but some of the hashtags from this year, like, where's Ray? Or where's Black Widow? Or where's Scarlet Witch? Or where are any of the girl action figures? You know, but stuff like that. It was nice to know that the Hulk and I share the same frustration. We would like to be able to buy girl action figures for the kids in our lives. And maybe some of the adults in my life, as I look at my Ray and Black Widow bobbleheads that I had to buy because I couldn't find the action figures at the store. So that's my number five, Josh. So that is well said and it touches on some of the other things that we'll keep <laughs> We're jumping around a little bit, yes. It's, it's what we do. So my number five, I looked at the DC shows on TV, the new ones, specifically The Flash and Supergirl. Both... Uh. The Flash does a wonderful job with camp. You know, it's that fun. (laughs) They did a really nice job with it, especially with Jay Garrett from Earth 2, like the slow motion when he gets his helmet with the wings on it and puts it on. It's like, that's the right amount of camp. And it's, it was like a open love letter to every nerd out there who enjoys the Flash and Jay Garrett's Flash. It's like, okay, this is good. Supergirl I think it's fantastic family entertainment. I think it captures the spirit of Christopher Reeve's Superman and the 1950s Superman TV series as well with that fun, you look forward to it. Uh, Kids can watch it with their parents. And so, which is something I really, not that I'm a parent, but again, it's like, okay, this is great. We need entertainment like this. And they both do a nice job tossing out some legal issues. You know what? That's funny. And I had to say, Supergirl, uh, I've not gotten into The Flash, but Supergirl, I adore. And that's actually number four on my list for that same kind of reason. It is, you know, I love that some of the superhero stuff has kind of gone dark and edgy, but it's also nice to have some that are just more plain good old-fashioned fun, uh, and Supergirl is that. I love kind of her joy in being Supergirl. Uh, I like the whole big sister being protective because I can relate to that. Uh, I also, of course, love to see Allie McBeal again. I think Calista Flockhart is awesome as, uh, you know, kind of bitch in charge. The new James Olsen is fantastic too. So, yeah, so I love all the characters, and it is one of those that um, – 
does cross the generations. My little girl, again, has gotten very into the action heroes this year. I think because there are so many women, finally, this year in general has been pretty good for that, even if the toys don't reflect it. And so that's really, you know, increased her interest. Um, and then my parents love it too, maybe because it does go back kind to, like you said, that 1950s era superhero things. You know, they're never... They have never been into the Christian Bale Batmans, but um, yeah, they love Supergirl. And so it's a show that all three generations can discuss. Which is fantastic. And I, I love the Cat Grant character. Yeah. Because Calista Flarhart is just a cool actress. She's neat. Uh, her evolution, I thought, was one of the most dynamic this mm-hmm. season. Uh, and she's not like Perry White. She figured out her assistant. <laughs> Because she's a good reporter. It's like, wait a minute. Wait. I've noticed some things. Pretty sure that her son figured it out first. Yes. Because he was paying really close attention. So I'm sure he figured out, wait, something about her. And but you're right. It is kind of nice that they don't expect us to be like, a pair of glasses is all you need to, you know, master a perfect disguise. Totally. So this should make getting time off easy for her. <laughs> You know, in the second half of the season, it's like, no, I understand. You got to go stop the meteorite. You you go have fun. So I'll cover. So it'll be interesting to see. In I'd say it's an interesting dynamic then all of a sudden, right? So that will be, it could be a, a very interesting, complicated relationship. Because at the end of the day, Kat's like, no, Catco is what matters and you need to take care of me. But you're right. She also recognizes that she's Supergirl. She feels obviously ownership kind of of that Supergirl persona. So she's tied into her that way. So it can be a very interesting dynamic. Also, we saw her act very in a very strong mentor relationship mm-hmm. with her, uh, maternal you know, to, to a large degree, which was nice. And you could see, despite the toughest nails I had to do a lot to get where I am, uh, you know, that cost, you know, it cost my relationship with my first son. And, you know, very, it's like, yeah. okay, this is this is a nice dynamic character and not just some you know, you know cartoonish you know mega schmuck boss mm-hmm. who's overbearing and mean and all that good stuff. Uh, it'll be interesting to explore the respondent superior issues that if you your boss if you see because you know we got to make it legal. Uh, but <laughs> you know, so your boss knows you moonlight as a superhero fighting crime. Yeah, or if she tells you to go do something and it's yeah during empl- office hours. That could be interesting. Big time. So we'll see. And the writer's been clever. So let's let's see what they they do. So my number four, since we just stumbled into your number yes. four uh let's go over to marvel netflix's daredevil and jessica jones were <laughs> both fantastic for different reasons they they were the look and feel they created was amazing they had very engaging characters and both dealt heavily with lawyers especially daredevil because he is one i felt daredevil represented the best qualities of attorneys, of why somebody goes to law school, why somebody becomes an attorney. You have the conflict between big law and small law on why are we mm. doing this between someone who sells their soul and to, to have the nice expensive suits and the nice shoes and all that good stuff. And you're representing the Japanese whaling company. You know, it's like stuff like that. It's like <laughs> they're doing tasty research, Your Honor. Tasty. T- <laughs> uh, and that was fantastic. Uh, Jessica Jones 
you see a law firm where the first name on the door is a female partner. And that does happen, but it's not uh, a frequent. No. And so you have lots of great legal issues with that. And of course, my favorite, Steve Denight, the first executive producer on Daredevil for, for season one, retweeted us. You know, ah. found our posts and shared them like twice. So it's like, yes, this is wow. So that's good. All right. Well, it's funny because, and Josh, you and I didn't discuss our list beforehand, but we obviously have some things in common because my number three is Jessica Jones. <laughs> it's like we spend time together and think like each other. <laughs> But I do say in general and Netflix in general, right? I mean, they have just been fantastic. They have done all kinds of neat shows. Um, You know, Grace and Frankie, I'm also obsessed with, you know, House of Cards. I mean, they're just being awesome right now. So, oh, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, They're doing all kinds of great stuff. But I did love Jessica Jones. Um, I'm a big fan of that actress, Kristen Ritter, uh, although before it was kind of, you know, from the B in Apartment 23. So it's fun to see her in a role like this. Very different. This is on the dark side. And, you know, I've struggled with a little bit because I do. I'm a wimp when it comes to the really dark stuff. But uh, she is fantastic. I do like, you know, kind of her complicated, what? the issues she struggles with. Again, very complex characters. Uh, I love Carrie Ann Moss as the boss lawyer. She is great. And again, it's nice to see an old sci-fi favorite showing back up. Um, I also love Luke Cage and can't wait because he's actually getting his own show, I think, right? This coming year? They're in production now. And uh, our friend Jerry O'Brien in New York said he saw ah. they were filming some of it. So Okay, so that will be really interesting. And again, I really like him. So yeah, and that is one, again, I recommended that to um, my niece and my sister-in-law are not really into geek culture at all. They're not big Star Wars or Avengers fans, but they both, you know, my niece is 17. She loved and devoured Jessica Jones, like in the first weekend that it was out kind of thing. And my sister-in-law loved it as well well so that's the neat thing about a show like that that it's a superhero show for people who really aren't into superheroes um so it's kind of maybe it's a gateway drug maybe into geek culture or something but uh so jessica jones daredevil i have to admit i have not gotten into my father keeps telling me to get into it too and i should i really do blame ben affleck he just ruined daredevil for me which is why i'm worried about next year's Batman and Superman. So uh, I think I've just been resistant because of that, but I maybe we'll have to try and catch up on Daredevil at some point. See, fear leads to hate, and then hate leads to the dark side. (laughs) Because Charlie Cox is Daredevil, all is forgiven. It is so good. And when it premiered, you know, like became first available, I watched Mm -hmm. the first one and was just like, jaw on the floor. Because it begins with him confessing in church. Then to him, you know, breaking up a white slavery, sex trade, you know, kidnapping. And it's, you, the fight is so good. You're like, wow. Wow. Then the second episode, which is the one that everyone talks about with the hallway fight, that is some of the best action filmmaking ever done. I mean, just, it is brilliant. It is is fantastic and I highly recommend it. I'm going to say I liked Daredevil a little bit more. Uh, wow, than, all right. And I don't think you're finished with Jessica Jones yet. So, no, again, the darkness has slowed me down a little bit. So, uh, so I can't explain why, 
uh, we'll have to do that. God, all right, I've got. I'm going to try and catch up on those this weekend. Yeah, there there are important reasons why, and I, I can. I'd be happy to share with my thought process, but not until you've seen it, because <laughs> I will not be the one to blow it for you to spoil okay. the surprise. So, so no, I say to thee nay. <laughs> Well, so that was my number three as we keep uh, doing the same one. So what's your number three? So this is going to be very lawyerly of me with what I do because my number three are the cons that uh, I got to go to and one of which – Not the cons you pulled this year, the cons mm-hmm. you got to go to this year. So, uh, <laughs> Big Wow Comic Fest in San Jose was fantastic. Spoke to a full room on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter, and that was awesome. Standing room only, people in the back, and it was cool. Uh, The other big one was Salt Lake Comic Con. And again, got to speak on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter. Very cool. They had me at the same time as Chris Evans. Oh, which hard was to go up against Captain America. Yeah, on in theory, similar audience base because I was also talking about Winter Soldier as well. So it's like, really, I have to take on Cap. Come on, <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> but I really enjoyed uh, Salt Lake. Uh, you know, like the room that I stayed in uh, at this hotel was like this about the same amount as the bed and breakfast that I did for San Diego uh, Comic-Con. Yeah. It was a a suite, walk-in bathroom with a big walk-in closet. Uh, You you know, I could have held a conference in there. Yeah. It's like, this is like 135 a night? Wow. I'm going to need to do another one of these because it's easier because you're in Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had a really nice management of getting in and out. Uh, the show floor was fantastic and lots of good panels. Ah. But the crowning jewel was San Diego Comic-Con and just focusing on the spectacle because this mm-hmm. really, this is going to re- uh, relate back to another in a moment, but uh, that was high energy. The, ad- yeah. the adventure being there, uh, by far they did have the best panels out of anyone this year. I mean, like they were just utterly phenomenal with the content, uh, be it psychologists discussing how they use superheroes to help people with PTSD who, who did, you know, seen horrible things in the military, you know, helping this country to, uh, the comic book creators, uh, just, uh, seeing the, uh, um, I believe it was Hasbro talking about the Black Series and showing the uh, new Ahsoka action figure and showing what goes into creating an action figure. That was genius. I mean, just yeah. sitting, sitting there, I was like, this is really neat. So the spectacle of San Diego Comic-Con uh, was impressive and was and it was neat to be there to be part of that. Yes. How about your number two? two so my number two uh was star wars itself obviously there was you know huge build up to it um been looking forward to it forever following all the developments was very excited to go uh we talked about it already at length i loved it i mean yes it is not you know there are issues but overall it was just a great fun time 
And then after we talked, I took the kids and my parents to see it over the Christmas break, and they loved it. And my daughter, especially, again, just like with the Avengers, my 8-year-old daughter, way more into it than my 11-year-old son, both of them. And she immediately went home and even did her hair, and I forget what they're calling it now, if it's a triple loop or whatever that they're doing, you know, uh, for Ray's hairdo. She immediately did that. She was using the lightsaber all over the place with that, using the force, could not stop talking about it. So, and again, my son liked it too, but it was my daughter who loved it. And, you know, she liked BB-8, but I was surprised she was much more into Ray. I thought she would talk more about BB-8, but she was into Ray and Chewie. Um, but just thought it was a great time, and it was so much fun to see it with them. And it was it was very fun to see it a second time, too, because, of course, as I knew stuff now, I found you guys actually more nervous. Like, there was kind of more buildup and more tension, but still very exciting. So uh, Star Wars was a lot of fun. I can't wait to see what happens we actually, what, we get Rogue One almost, well, just under a year from now. So it'll be exciting to see that. But I have to say Star Wars was a ton of fun. And I think that was a movie that got at least my daughter into Star Wars. My son may have been kind of like weird in between ages, but at least my daughter now will have those same childhood memories of Star Wars that I had from seeing the original ones a few decades ago. And that's a beautiful thing. And I believe was by design because that was... <laughs> It's like they thought about that. Hmm. It worked perfectly. So I'll talk more about Star Wars in a moment. Yes. But my number two was being nominated for Best Podcast by the Geeky Awards. That was such a magical experience. Uh-huh. probably a good way to describe it. They did a fantastic job with the show itself, and it was at a new venue. Uh, slightly different organization from last year, kind of went a little bit more towards the first year. And having a two-night format was superior. Uh, So the first night was the creator night. So it was like the pre-party. And you had nominees together, being able to talk, uh, was less drinking from the fire hoses, trying to like, opposed to cramming it all into one night. Yeah. You have people who travel for it, you know, the, you know, from Ohio and Boston and, and all these faraway places, you know, that go to Los Angeles. And, you know, they made, they made a trip of it. And that was neat to see. And so, uh, and then it was just neat to, like, you know, some of the folks who were judges who wanted to come up and, and speak. It was like, you know, that was, that was very nice. And, uh, and then finding out we have fans. You know, there, there were uh, other nominees and actually one of the winners for one of the short films. You know, she came up and her boyfriend's an attorney. They loved our podcast on Jurassic World and liability for the dinosaurs. <laughs> and, and she was so endearing with all the questions she asked. And, and she was on a high from winning that I mean, she was just she was in low Earth orbit. So, yeah. It was neat to talk with her, and it's like, oh, this is so so nice, and and it was uh, the experience of being a nominee was a lot of fun. So that was something I would uh, be neat to do again. Uh, but you know, out of sixty people who submitted their podcast, we were in the five that were nominated. Nice, so, yeah. So that was a fantastic experience. They did a great job. And I really do hope it turns into a festival. You know, yeah. people go for four days and you, there's just a nice celebration of all things geek. Cool. 
And your number one. All right. Well, once again, since I tend to be redundant with yours, my number one is Comic-Con itself. The only one I went to this year was San Diego Comic-Con, but that was, I mean, such an amazing, unique experience. Both like you talked about before, the spectacle was incredible. Um, you know, to see the people, I mean, even Kiss was there. I saw freaking Kiss with their Scooby-Doo thing, which was, <laughs> even with all the other costumes, that's still one of the most surreal and absurd things. But that, you know, it's just such a kind of, the other thing that I'd done, what, just two months before that was I took my dad to the Kentucky Derby, um, which was not only incredible, but we had the fortune of going to the Kentucky Derby the year there was finally, after what, 33 years or something, since 1978, I can't do the math, uh, a Triple Crown winner. And so to be there for that kind of, you know, not quite once in a lifetime experience, maybe for some people, but for most of us, kind of a once in a lifetime sort of experience that you're lucky to have to get to do that. And then Comic-Con be very similar to get to attend Comic-Con and to speak at Comic-Con was pretty amazing. So that's my number one event. And mine mirror that because my number one event is Star Wars The Force Awakens. But as a subpart to that, it's the fact that we got to go to San Diego Comic-Con to speak about Star Wars. <laughs> the lawyer. Subpart A is to speak it there. Subpart B, which is further divided into three subclauses. <laughs> you say it like it's weird. You too are part of this. It's your feelings. You know it's true. Uh, but but yeah, speaking and speaking there was incredible, um, and not just because it was great to see you again and be there in person with you, and we always have fun. But we also had another great panelist with us, thanks to you, Magistrate Judge Paul Graywall, who the court could put on a speaking tour yes. to highlight what the courts actually do. He did a he was a fantastic ambassador mm. of how of the justice system because when you think about it with this you know our system of government people most often interact with the courts you know mm-hmm. they're they're administrative agencies say like the dmv that they spend a lot of time with but the go- part branch of the government that most people interact with on a very intimate level are the courts and he is a fantastic ambassador of what happens the way he talked with some of the kids who asked nice legal questions on droid like manufacturer liability. <laughs> it's like, rock on, little dude. You know, keep thinking that way. And he was fantastic. And it was neat to see his love of Star Wars. We, and, and all things geek, we attended a panel uh, that was on uh, Jack Kirby and that mm-hmm. the, one of the Jack Kirby museums was putting on. And they showed an interview that had been done on pe- public access like in 1981, maybe 1982, that no one had seen in 30, wow. 30 years. And like we stumbled into it. We're like, oh, Jack Kirby, this should be neat. It was like they're showing an interview that no one's seen in 30-plus years. It's like, wow. It was awesome. So uh, fantastic ambassador. Uh, it was super awesome to – uh, present with him the fact that law firms sent attorneys to Comic Con to hear him speak. <laughs> you know, says volumes about uh, the influence that that he has because he's a very thoughtful judge. Yes, uh, but and I have to say also another great part about doing that panel was I was so impressed by the audience. Um, you know, we spoke and the. Inf- 
enthusiastic reception, first of all, was kind of shocking because I've done a lot of CLEs. I never get that enthusiastic a reception when I'm lecturing people on attorney-client privilege or e-discovery. So it's nice to have an enthusiastic reception, number one. But also the questions that we got were blowing me away. We are not the only ones who think about legal issues when we're watching these movies. We easily could have had a 90-minute panel with six minutes of content and 30 minutes of questions. And the fact that our audience went from age six to like 70 also was huge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so my, my nightmare that I've, I've realized, and you know, I haven't shared this with you, is that in <laughs> dyslexic, I reversed, uh, instead of saying C3PO, I said CP3O and, and had that on the slides. And there was somebody who corrected me during the presentation and I thought like, well, that was kind of jerkish. It's, it's, you know, I've never seen anyone actually interrupt like that. And then a little bit later I I looked at a program and I thought like, whoa, that guy who corrected me looked a lot like Anthony Daniels. Please God, don't let that be the case. (laughs) So occasionally I do wake up screaming going like, I hope that wasn't him. I hope to God. Oh, that was no, that's an easy one to reverse. I should have caught it, but I kind of, I often flip things as well. So it is very easy to do that. Well, that and like four people looked at the slides. So it, it, I know. it, it was my bad too. It's, it's, it was just like, oh my God, but I hope to God that wasn't him. Um, but the other part of this with, with lumping in Star Wars is uh, Vulture republished my Han shot first. Which was very cool. That's right. So when you look at their Star Wars countdown and the the other shares, and you know somewhere in a, the couple hundred range, and one with a uh, um, uh, Daisy Ridley, you know, is like in the thousand plus range where she sure. talks about the toys modeled after her. Mine was four points five thousand shares. Wow! Like, yes, and there were like seven or eight other publications from the Mary Sue to Geek Tyrant. You know, that also, pick, uh, uh, Club Jade, you know, that also picked it up and shared it. It's like, okay, that's nice that for, for a brief moment in time, you know, I was internet famous. So, <laughs> I'm sure it won't be the last time. But it was neat to have, you know, because of Star Wars. Yeah. We got, we got to go to San Diego Comic-Con and be rock stars. And how many lawyers can say that? That, you know, sure, we're a footnote in, you know, one tiny footnote in the Star Wars magic. But we got to be part of it. And That's and, right. And then got to be have another footnote on on shot first. So that's pretty groovy. That is very cool. It did make this year very special, um, and it was quite a, a unique experience. So, yeah, we should. That is pretty awesome. So, anything that you're looking forward to in 2016? Well, I am looking forward to, uh, let's see, Agent Carter, of course. Uh, love Agent Carter, so can't wait for her to come back. Uh, let's see, the next is, it, oh, Captain America Civil War. Very much looking forward to that. I am, like I said, I have mixed, 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 mixed feelings about the Batman versus Superman. I'm going to have to see it, though, because of Wonder Woman. And, of course, my annoyance that she can't get a standalone movie, and I would love to see the Joss Whedon script that he did years ago because I bet it's freaking awesome. That kills me, but I will go to see her. Uh, um, they're filming it now. Wait, the, what, the Wonder Woman standalone? Yeah, they're filming it now. Wait, did I know that with the with the same what is her name, Gil Gadot or whatever? Uh, Gil Gott, yeah. And or so Gail, I can't say the name right. Um, 
with Chris Pine is in a supporting role, and so... Oh, my God, that's right. I totally forgot that. All right, sorry, blanking out. Okay, um, I was up late actually watching the Badgers football game, which is... <laughs> so I'm never up late watching football, but I was last night. All right, you're right. Well, I forgot, so I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, but um, I'll still have to see your introduction in the Batman. What is it? Laney Gossip calls it, like, superhero face punch or something. That's how I always think of that one. What's funny is... You have the DC you know, movie coming out, which is making it look like it's just a slugfest between these two beloved characters and unnecessarily dark. And yeah. then you have what I'm looking forward to, Captain America Civil War, which is effectively the same thing on some levels, but it's totally not. Yeah. And it's because there's the political overtones. There's what is the Sylvania or however it's pronounced accords that you go like, okay, so what is this force of law? And that you have General Thunderbolt Ross who, you know, chased the Hulk and is not known for civil rights, now being the U.S. Secretary of State, trying to force this down people's throats. It's like, okay, that's interesting. So I don't know what we're going to expect because in my reaction to shield and, and some of the other shows is there should be oversight. Yes. On the flip side, you saw what shield turned into in the winter soldier. It's like, do we really want a giant? <laughs> so it's, there's, there has to be that balance of you don't want the Nazis to take root and overthrow the planet. Cause that's, you know what we you know what cap stopped in the last one right but like what's the acceptable level of accountability yeah so you don't have people just running around causing chaos so it's it's a very interesting issue but i'm i'm really looking forward to winter's uh to excuse me to civil war season 2 of daredevil uh, uh-huh. which which should be exciting we'll have the punisher in that so that'll be fun ah uh, we also have San Diego Comic Fest, where we're doing the mock trial of the Winter Soldier. That's with, right. With Judge Graywall and a bunch of law students, and and that should be a wicked good time in February. So <laughs> there's lots Wait, of- There's one other thing that I'm very, very excited for, probably my top movie for next year, actually, that I can't wait for, and I hope it's good, and that's the Ghostbusters reboot um, with Melissa McCarthy, Kate McKinnon, where if you've not seen her Close Encounters sketch on SNL, it is the funniest thing I've seen on SNL, maybe ever. I think it's probably just the most laugh-out-loud funniest scene. Everyone I show it to laughs nonstop through it. I'm a huge Kate McKinnon fan. Love Melissa McCarthy. Love Leslie Jones. Love Thor in the Annie Potts role, I gotta say. So um, very much. Oh, and love Kristen Wiig, too, of course. So very excited about that. And I think my kids both love Ghostbusters. So again, I'm hoping that's one that we can all really enjoy as a family. I look forward to seeing it. I wish they had, instead of a reboot, I just would have preferred like the next generation. So like yeah. that's my, because I have a thing about reboots. It just, it, it bothers me because it's like, really, you can't come up with a new story. Well, you know, to be fair, Star Wars The Force Awakens was the next generation, and yet many would argue that it's incredibly derivative of the first one. And the Star Trek reboot, actually, I liked a lot and thought was a lot of fun. So to me, it's all in how it's handled. I don't see Star Trek as a reboot. And so because of the time travel that's involved, so I don't see that. Now, you bring up Star Trek. I am not looking forward to Star Trek Beyond because of the first teaser that they've had i'm going to try keeping an open mind but i actually this was the first time i've actually been angry 
after seeing a trailer for something because uh, I just I, I didn't like the trailer. It's like you destroy the ship in the trailer, and then they're riding around on dirt bikes. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely concerned about Star Trek. I have to say that. I'm concerned about that. I'm also, quite frankly, over some of these X-Men movies. Um, so I really have to say that as much as I love the early X-Men and I love the first prequel with, you know, Michael Fassbender as an early Magneto, at this point, I don't know, I feel like they're beating a dead horse with that. So I am, I wouldn't even say I'm concerned about it. I'm just kind of like, eh. So we'll have to see if they can change my mind in the coming months. So here's my concern with X-Men Apocalypse, because I, I am looking forward to it, because Apocalypse mm. is a great character. It's set in the 1980s, so there's a lot of, I think, positive things going for it. What I'm concerned about is the superhero movies too often have this end-of-the-world character-driven story to them, yes. and they all can't be that. And, yeah. and so seeing previews for Apocalypse with, you know, cities blowing up, and it's just like, okay, oh, didn't we kind of see that in Avengers to a degree? And then again in Avengers Age of Ultron, why can't the problem be different? Yeah. You know, stop the alien invasion or the solar flare, or, you know, just something that's different. Or, yeah. you know, granted, uh, this would be a different spin, but the Evolutionary War was a one of the comic series that they had where you had the High Evolutionary had a plan to evolve the planet. And it oh. was uh, everyone working to stop him because evolution shouldn't just be rushed. And so, but he had the evolutionary bomb and mm. his goal was to evolve the planet. So it's like, okay, do something different. Do something <laughs> different. Is, yeah. Is, is my request as opposed to I get the global threat, you know, and and that's what it's a good storytelling trope. But when you have Man of Steel level Metropolis, which looks a lot like New York, and the fallout that would happen from that, and the Indian Ocean getting whacked at the same time, it's like, okay, we all can't just do disaster movies. Yeah, okay. yeah. And if you do. Do a sequel with the lawyers dealing with all the cleanup because I know and the insurance companies. Oh, the litigation that would follow that mess. Yes. Uh, I mean, talk about force majeure. I mean, like that's going to get wicked complicated fast. With we're just going to need a federal bailout. Uh, well, if there's certified acts of terrorism, you would get the federal bailout. But yes, that would be the whole. Is it a certified act or yeah? Uh, General Zod terraforming. Congress might just pass a new bill and go like, yeah, we're, we're going to call a spade a spade on this one because uh, that wasn't – the goal wasn't terror. It was to wipe us out. So anywho, that's just my concern with the superhero movies of you have to have a different threat than it's the end of the world because not every movie can be the end the of the world. end of the world. I agree. Uh, it's do something else. And there are different uh, – one of the other great stories from the 80s was the assault on the Avengers Mansion when it was under siege. And, you know, you have a bunch of uh, superheroes get captured. And so it's ah. Captain America and Black Knight get the crap beat out of them. And you have a bunch of Avengers get taken out. And it's responding to the crisis, other heroes stepping up. And the comeback at the end of that was fantastic with – people slugging it out it's like okay think just 
there's great source material going back decades. Yeah, you got a lot that you can pull from. Exactly, but again, that's fanboy ranting at this point. So, <laughs> but that's what we do, and that's what's so exciting is now we get to see what comes out next year, which things live up to their expectations, which things exceed their expectations, and which things disappoint or anger us. Exactly, and ideally, yeah, that's why we're geeks because we have strong opinions about these things. And ideally. I would like for all the little girls out there to have access to more action figures. Yes, thank you. Hopefully, DC and Warner Brothers, please learn from Disney's mistakes. And Target, I'm looking at you. Let's make sure we have the Wonder Woman action figures and, yes, the other girls. So that would be nice on behalf of all the little kids out there who need to see and play with girl action figures, please. And all the boys who want to play with whatever action figure they want to play with. That's so. right. Exactly. That's why I said kids, because, yes, this not, does not need to be divided by the sex. Or for the lawyer who gives another lawyer a Ray and BB-8 action figure. <laughs> the love that dare not speak its name. The lawyer-to-lawyer lawyer love. You know, <laughs> for another adventure, my friend. For another adventure. So with that, 2016, ev- baby. So with that, everyone, stay geeky, America, and happy New Year. <laughs>